you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Do you love your work? Well, of course you do. That's why you hang around here. Listen to these exciting success stories about people who are doing that. Hey, what if you decided that you didn't want to work and then you made a million dollars wearing a t-shirt? I'm going to tell you about a guy who did exactly that here in a little bit. Hey, one of our sponsors today is Audible.com. You hear me talk about them a lot. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, you can choose a free audiobook download from over 150 thousand titles and of course i'm going to be giving you some specific recommendations today based on the theme of our show which is are you choosing to be poor that ought to rile some of you up do you think it's a choice we're going to talk about that well i already said we're going to be talking about a young guy who made a million dollars wearing a t-shirt here's some other questions we'll be covering dan i feel as if the existence of the rich necessitates the existence of the poor like it's a zero-sum game. Dan, I'm a CPA with six years of experience, but I've spent most of that time being very frustrated with the just-grinded-out culture. I'm afraid I'm not brave enough to step out and do more yet with my writing. To what extent does being transparent hurt your leadership? Well, we'll dig into those and more. Hey, we ask, last week I asked people to send in how you acted on a dream. Got some exciting feedback on that. People that acted on their dreams, you're going to want to hear those. Here's a quotation for the day. Now, this is actually just one from me. Uh, it, it's funny how I see quotations out of my books that are floating around out there. And this, this is one from me, and it just relates to what I want to share today. And it is this. Poverty is not as much a lack of money as it is a lack of choice. But then that lack of choice is often only an illusion. The choice was there all along. What do you think about that? Do we choose to be poor or choose to be rich? Well, we'll look at that in a little more detail. Hope you'll stick around and listen to what I have to say on that. Well, I asked last week for people to send in just an example of acting on a dream. I love the responses I got back. I said I was going to choose three and send you copies of Poke the Box by our buddy Seth Godin. Poke the Box, a cool little hardback book where he just talks about taking action in your dreams. Take action. That's what it requires for the most part to separate yourself from the pack. Separate yourself from people who are whining about the economy can't get anything done, never get an opportunity, can't get ahead. Well, taking action can break that cycle pretty quickly. Well, I chose four dream stories. I couldn't narrow it down to just three, so I've got four. You'll be getting that copy of Poke the Box by Seth Godin. First one comes from John Gibbs. And I love this. I mean, listen to this. My wife and I have always dreamed of moving to the mountains and being minutes away from places to go hiking and camping. After reading your book, I decided to take action on our dream, and I applied for a job in a beautiful town in the middle of the mountains. We increased our income. My wife is able to stay home with our kids, and every day we are able to go hiking at some of our favorite places on earth. God is so good, and we are living our dream. Thanks for all you do, John. 
Well, John, thanks for that note. That's certainly deserving of a free book. I'm delighted to send that out to you. Now, listen to that. You know, I mean, there's nothing complicated in there. He said they just dreamed of moving to the mountains, being minutes away from places to go hiking and camping. So he took action, applied for a job, beautiful town, middle of the mountains, boom, there they are. You've heard me talk about my son, Jared, and I, Leah, his wife and little baby. They're here right now in Nashville, going to spend a couple months here and then on to Brazil just because they have heard about what a cool place it is. They're moving to Florinopolis, an island just off the southern coast of Brazil, just because they think it'd be a cool thing to do. And rather than just dreaming about it and wishing that someday they could, they're just going to do it. They're on their way. Well, the next dream story here comes from Rodney Young. It says, in September of 2011, I dreamed of recording an album that was a collaboration of a number of local hip-hop artists based on a theme I heard in a sermon at church. I immediately started making calls to recruit talent and resources and solidified a group of talented artists. Without much money, we went forward step-by-step to assemble this project and did the recording in 30 days. Then we advertised and launched an event to take place a month later, and it was packed. I just wanted to see what would happen if I took action on an idea that I had, and people are still talking about that cool event. Now, that comes from Rodney. Got a link to the the album they did. Just put together a bunch of local hip-hop artists and put an album together. Packed the house with the release. What a cool thing to do. And I commend you on that. Now, also, Rodney has a link where you can get a copy of... 33 out-of-the-box marketing ideas for independent artists. Now, I'll put the link to that in the podcast notes for today. So you can go there. Rodney, I assume that you meant for everybody to get that free. I signed up for it immediately. You know, one of the funny things about, in, and of course, you put in your email to get that. Now, now you know, if you're listening, you know, don't be put off by somebody who requires an email address before they give you something free. And that's a reasonable way to build their list. I mean, certainly they then have the opportunity to send you ideas that they have, new opportunities. You can opt out at any given time, but it's not unreasonable to do that. So, I mean, I do that 10 times a day. Not a big deal. So I did that. But it's interesting, Rodney, in your information required, you had to select one of the following in terms of how you are an artist. Hip-hop, rock alternative, gospel, jazz, worship producer or not an artist oh i cringed i cringed at the alternatives there that, that i had to choose i mean if i'm not a musician i have to choose i'm not an artist well you know my thinking about that i mean we're all artists and i i could not bring myself to check not an artist i put in that i'm in the rock alternative venue Hey, that's me. That's a music I like. I'm not creating a lot there, but I put that because I could not bring myself to put in that I'm not an artist. Anyway, I'll put a link to Roddy's book on 33 out-of-the-box marketing ideas for independent artists. Just go to the show notes. You can click through and get that as well. All right, the next taking action in a dream story comes from Matt Payton. Matt says, you ask for stories about taking action in a dream, and I have one for you. A few weeks ago, I was driving to work, daydreaming, and an idea popped in my head that just wouldn't get out. A trivia game show podcast. I love podcasts, and I've always been a fan of trivia shows. My daydreaming went into overdrive all day as I imagined daily contestants, cool prizes from sponsors, coming up with fun trivia questions. I told my wife about my brand new idea, and she had just one question. Why don't you start right now? 
I bought the domain, Genius100.com, and actually just today I'm wrapping up my first giveaway contest to gather email addresses and get some buzz going for the upcoming show. In under a week, I've already received 200 email addresses from people who are interested. With just a little action, this podcast is on the road from idea to reality. Thanks for all the work you do. You've been a tremendous inspiration as I create the work I love. Well, thanks for that note. For your story, Matt, we'll get a book copy of Poke the Box on its way to you. Now, the next one comes from Joseph Berman, who says, I was listening to your podcast. You asked us to email you about ways we took action. Here's my story. I drove down to San Diego from Los Angeles to attend Social Media Day, where they had a panel on podcasting. After the panel, I walked up to John Lee Dumas, whose podcast I listened to, and asked him if it's time to start an email newsletter for podcasters. I had great success doing it for the company I work for full-time. Fast forward a few weeks, and we had a booth at Podcast Movement 2014. That was the one that was in Dallas recently. He says, I heard you mention Jared Easley in this past podcast. Jared Easley and Dan Franks were the organizers and a pleasure to work with. Tomorrow will be the 12th weekly email newsletter. I really enjoy your show. Keep it up. Well, Joseph, I need to get on your list if you're doing an email newsletter for podcasters. You know, there's so much happening in that arena right now. I have an invitation for an event here in Nashville this Saturday. It's one of these, you know, under the radar, secret, exclusive, don't tell anybody. And when you come into the room, it's even at an undisclosed location. And when you come in, you know, you have to check your phone. You can't tweet. You can't be on your phone at all during the period of time. Three hours, podcasters to share together. Well, I want to do that. That's a cool thing. Sure, I'm delighted to get those kind of invitations. But I need to get on your email newsletter so i'll i'll get the information from that from your uh, email here and uh, we can share that with other podcasters who listen to this as well well i got one more this comes from bonnie and again joseph i'll get a copy of Pook the box on its way to you this one comes from bonnie who says the most memorable time that i acted on a dream now, i love this again just listen to how this is laid out like it's no big deal i acted on a dream seven years ago I had been on a one-week mountain biking vacation with my husband in Scotland. We fell head over heels in love with the country and hated to leave when the week was over. Because I'm the primary breadwinner in our family, I asked my husband whether he'd be willing to relocate from our home in Oregon to Scotland if I could get a good job there. He said he'd consider it, but I don't think he realized that this was a dream I intended to make real. Five months later, I was on my way to an interview at the University of Dundee and was offered a great job on the spot. Thanks to my pursuing that dream, we were able to enjoy two years in Scotland and a travel bit in Europe before returning home to Oregon. I'm now in business for myself, and whenever I think I'm dreaming too big, I have this reminder that I can make big dreams come true. Thanks for all you do, Bonnie Lynch. What a great story. I love stories like that. If you have a dream, I mean, often the obstacles that we see are really just between our own two ears. The obstacles, yeah, they're going to be little speed bumps in the road toward success, no matter what that is. But those often are just that. They're just little speed bumps. And if you really have a clear sense of what your dream is, nothing can stop you. The stories that we've had here that I just shared Love those stories. Thank you for all the, all the rest of you that submitted stories as well. Certainly worthy. I don't have time to share all those. 
and I promised I would choose three. I chose four, but thanks to all of you that submitted stories. And again, congratulations on taking action on your dreams. Well, this is deserving of being in this category. You know, we pull up lean. You are the champions. This is a great example of how you move yourself into being a champion. Hey, if you got a story, continue to send those in. We want to share your success story right here. Just shoot those in to askdan48days.com or go to the 48 Days podcast link, 48days.com. You can submit it there as well. So now if you just have a question that you want to submit, that's the place to do that as well. Well, thanks for all of those coming in. What a joy to read through those each week. Now, this comes from Andy. Now, this is this goes right to the heart of what I set up as our theme for today. He says, Dan, love your podcast and your books. Thanks for all you do. I have this ambivalence about money. On the one hand, I'd love to be a millionaire, have enough to buy a house or open a retreat center one day, continue to create music for the world, do good things with the money. On the other hand, I feel as if the existence of the rich necessitates the existence of the poor, like it's a zero-sum game. I'm sure my ambivalence is in no small part due to my parents constantly fighting about money, screaming at each other. Tied into this, I'm a musician and a piano teacher living in Houston, Texas, but I seem to be unable to keep enough students to sustain an income. I frequently feel like a failure because I'll seek out jobs just for the paycheck, however meager, and then quit them within weeks because I get very bored or depressed with the work. I know my mission is to create beautiful music and connect people in doing so either with other people or with their own emotions. I'll share with you the current Indigo project I have for my debut album, but please know this is not a solicitation. The video just has the best sampling of my work so far. And he gave me the link to that. Thanks in advance for any help you can give. You're a beacon for many lost souls. Wow, there are so many things in your question, Andy, that I'd like to unpack. We'll do just a little bit of this. Now, a couple of things. You you say you're a musician, and there's, there's plenty of jokes about being an artist or a musician and trying to make money. In last week's newsletter, I had a couple in there exactly about that you know, working musicians. And, you know, the fact that I live in Nashville, Tennessee, gives me lots of fodder for this, but there's a lot of jokes about this. What's the definition of an optimist? A musician with a mortgage. All right. What's the difference between a musician and a savings bond? One of them eventually matures and earns money. What do you call a musician who doesn't have a girlfriend? Homeless. Well, okay, enough of that. Now, let's look at this a little bit. This ambivalence that you have about money. On the one hand, you'd like to be a millionaire, you know, have a house and open a retreat center. On the other hand, you feel as if the existence of the rich necessitates the existence of the poor like it's a zero-sum game. With that mentality, you will never be rich. If you cringe every time you get money because you know in some part of the world somebody is poor as a result of you getting money with that belief system – yeah, you please stay poor, because if you really believe that, then yes, don't do a disservice to somebody else by taking the money that should rightfully be theirs. Hopefully you see the error in that kind of mentality. 
I mean, that really is not true. If we see money as a zero-sum game, so it's like a pie. And if I take a piece, then there's less for somebody else. That's not the way money works. We generate money. We create it out of nothing. I mean, well, it, I mean, it doesn't matter how much is printed or how much gold is in the world. It doesn't, doesn't matter. We create value by doing something of value and sharing that with the world where they compensate us for that willingly. It's created the best book that I know that deals with this. You've heard me talk about it before is my friend, Rabbi Daniel Lappin's book, thou shall prosper. It is the best overview of the biblical model. This is not just some get rich quick thing. Not at all. It's just how to understand the biblical principles for money and why the Jewish people tend to be so wealthy. They're inordinately wealthy. When you look at the percentage of the population that they are, and then look at the people who are in the top wealthy people in the world, I mean, it's really packed with Jewish people because they understand the biblical principles for money. I don't know why we get so off track with that. Please, please, Andy, get a copy of Thou Shall Prosper. I told you that one of our supporters today is Audible. Dot com. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, you can get a free audiobook download. So put in Thou Shall Prosper, 10 Commandments for Making Money. Now the other one is a brand new book you've not heard me talk about yet because it just came out this week. That's Dave Ramsey's new book, The Legacy Journey, A Radical View of Biblical Wealth and Generosity. How can you have a retreat center to bless people with that, you know, create music for the world, do good things. You can't do that without money. Well, Dave Ramsey's new book, the legacy journey will tell you how to do exactly that, how to handle wealth, how to generate wealth, and then how to handle that with an open hand so that it really brings hope and encouragement to lots of other people. Again, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash forward forward slash 48 days and get a copy of the legacy journey. It was just released two days ago, but the audio version, Dave Ramsey himself reading that legacy journey, get that now get the audio version or get the book itself. But either way, get that. You need to understand that message. Dave does a remarkable way of laying that out. Now let me give you an example. I have a friend, Paul Cowell who was pastor of Little Tiny Church. And he and his wife had this dream of having a retreat center where pastors, missionaries could come at no charge. But now not just some kind of little rustic retreat center where you pitch a tent and, you know, freeze in the cold. No, he wanted a five-star class retreat center, a place where the food was second to none, a place where people could come for romantic getaways. And he just had this dream. How are you going to do that on a pastor's salary? Well, this is what happens if you have a clear dream and have the confidence that you're moving forward to it, even if you don't see how it's going to occur. Somebody in Paul's congregation got in trouble financially. Paul, as a compassionate pastor, essentially bailed them out just to help the guy. The guy continued to struggle in this little business and ultimately turned it over to Paul and walked away. So Pastor Paul was left with this little business. He didn't intend to be in business, but as a faithful steward of the money he'd already invested, he worked that little business 
Four years later, he sold it. His share was $10 million. Turned out to be one of the first home shopping network businesses. And his, he walked away with $10 million. He took $8 million of that and invested it in what is now Whitestone. Whitestone Inn. You can look it up. It's a beautiful place. Joanna and I have been there many times and love going there, spending time with, with Paul and Jean, but just enjoying the beautiful, beautiful place they've created. Now, that place was just recently purchased as well by Hobby Lobby. So there's another chapter to that, but that's Paul took $8 million of his own money that he got through a business he didn't intend to be in, but managed well and then sold and created the place that he was dreaming about, the retreat center called Whitestone Inn. So those things do happen. You heard some earlier stories about dreams coming true. Now, I went to the site. Here, Andy, one, one more thing on you. I went to your site where you have your music, the little Indigo project that you're doing. Your music is absolutely breathtaking. I mean, I, I listened to the entire thing. Went back and listened to parts of it again. It is awesome, the music that you're creating. You deserve to be compensated extremely well for that, whether it's doing movie scores, whatever it is. I mean, there, there's a lot of movie connected to the kind of, a lot of money connected to the kind of music that you're creating. You've got to change your mentality. You've got to change your expectation. Even the little video you put up for your Indiegogo project, you apologize all the way through. Apologize for asking for money. Apologize that it may not be good enough. My goodness. Start to have the confidence that what you're creating is worthy of people's money, worthy of their time, their enjoyment, that you're creating something that is worthwhile leading to the path, the dream that you're talking about. You can really do that. But please get these resources, Thou Shall Prosper, The Legacy Journey, and be confident you can change your mentality. I mean, I was raised as a poor little Mennonite kid where, yeah, we were taught that you know money is the root of all evil. Not the real message, the love of money is the root of all. You don't need to love money in order to have it serve you extremely well. But you need to change your mentality or believe me, it'll be a force that'll prevent you from ever having money. I've seen this time and time again where people sabotage their own opportunity for success. I mean, we, we've talked about the, the critical factor that happens to, let's say that somebody comes out of the ghetto, but they're a great football player. Boom, they get a $10 million sign-on bonus. Six months later, they're broke in and out of jail and back in the same environment they came from because their sense of deserving did not match what they had in terms of the reality of money they had in their hands. So they, they took themselves back to what they thought they deserved. There's a book out called The Big Leap as well, which addresses exactly that, that way that we sabotage our opportunity for wealth because of our mental beliefs. That's another book I should mention as well. Well, hey, let me move on here. Got a whole lot to cover. I talked about a kid who made a million dollars wearing a T-shirt. Now, here's the deal. I was listening to Pat Flynn on his Smart Passive Income podcast, and he interviewed Jason Sandler. His name is no longer Jason Sandler. He sold his last name. He's had four or five different last names. That's another story for another day. But a, a few years ago, he walked into his closet And he saw all these T-shirts he had in his closet with brand names on them. And he thought, now, wait a minute. What's up with this? I'm paying. I paid money to get this shirt that then promotes the brand of a company. How whacked is that? And he really, he was trying to figure out a way, you know, trying to figure out a way he could make some extra money without actually working. 
And he thought, what if I contacted these companies and told them I'd wear their shirt, but they pay me for doing that. The way he started out the first year, now this changed dramatically, but the way he started out the very first year was that on January 1st, the price was $1 for wearing the company's t-shirt. On the second day, whoever's shirt he was wearing, they paid $2. And what he did was increase it $1 a day till on the last day of the year, the company paying for that shirt where it would be $365. Now, he leveraged that dramatically. He got a lot of media coverage because of what he was doing. So he was on major networks and all that. And he generated over a million dollars in five years. But in that five-year period, he really didn't do any kind of work other than just wearing a T-shirt for a company. They'd send him the shirt and he'd wear it. Now, is that a creative idea or what? Now, you don't need to duplicate what Jason did. But my question is, what idea do you have just lurking around there in the recesses of your mind that you could do exactly the same kind of thing in terms of generating income? What could you do that would be creative? Now, there have been a whole lot of variations on this. His site was IWearYourShirt.com. I wear your shirt. Now, you can still go there. You still have programs running there. You can participate, even if you don't start the business, you can participate and be part of that if you want to. But there's also a book that he has on creativity for sale. Now, I'm going to give you a link where you can go and get this free as well. It's in connection with Pat Flynn's podcast. But if you go to creativityforsale.com slash SPI, you can go right to where you can get Jason's free book on creativity for sale. Now, these resources that I'm giving you here can accelerate. You don't have to start from zero. You aren't in this alone. You can leverage the way that people have gone before you and paving the way. You can learn very quickly. I mean, the things that I did as a poor little farm kid in Ohio was I started listening to those audio programs by the old master of achievement, you know, Zig Ziglar and Napoleon Hill, Earl Nightingale, Dennis Whaley. You know, and on and on and on. That's how I learned so I could shorten the path to success for myself. I didn't want to have to go through years and years and years of, you know, learning slowly. I wanted to leapfrog ahead by picking the brains, in essence, of people who were very successful and very willing to share that. People like Brian Tracy. He had a a series, of course, back in the day, it was cassettes. It was six cassettes. And it was called Getting Rich in America. I probably listened to that 18 or 20 times in its entirety. But in doing so, I picked up a whole lot of principles that I still use today. A whole lot of principles that accelerated my own success. So go to creativityforsale.com slash SPI for Smart Passive Income. And it'll take you right to the link where you can download Jason's free book on creativity. Okay, Kyle says, I'm a CPA with six years of experience. I've learned much in those years, but I spent most of that time being very frustrated with the just grinded out culture. I'm pretty miserable where I am. I have no aspirations of kicking. Oh, and I have aspirations of kicking tax season to the curb this year. I'm considering starting my own consulting outsourced CFO business chief financial officer basically i want to be the financial ninja to entrepreneurs and small business owners i'm a high s personality that's also fairly high in d do you think this kind of business would fit my personality type my main question is simply this how would you recommend a guy like me get his first few clients i have a non-compete that prevents me from doing any side work while i'm in my current job if i had a couple things lined up ready to go i'd launch as soon as possible 
Thanks for the work that you do. Well, thanks for your question, Kyle. Sure, I, I think you're a great candidate to do that with a high D and S. You describe pretty much my bookkeeper, my financial ninja. She was in my office yesterday. We spent the afternoon going through things. She's very direct, very forthright, outspoken. Says, gee, why are you doing this? Why don't you try this? She brings me articles, and she is my financial ninja. She has about 10 clients like me. Now, that's not a great number. And when you talk about doing your own consulting, outsource CFO business, it's really not a major leap. You've been working with the company as a CPA for six years. So in essence, what you're talking about is finding 10 companies, let's say, 10 companies, so it's like Bonnie, my financial ninja, 10 companies who are not large enough to use you full time, but could use you maybe one or two days a month. That would not be unreasonable at all. Let's say that like Bonnie, she's here one day a month. So you find 10 that could use you one day a month. Let's say that in in return for that, um, well, let's just use a very conservative figure. Let's say that those companies pay you $500. That would, that would be pretty low. Let's say that they pay you $750 to be available, come in one day a month, and you've got 10 clients that are doing that. Well, that's $7,500. I don't know what you're making now, but with that, you would be, have to be available 10 days out of the month or essentially two weeks. Would that work? If so, just go out with that as your goal. So go out and present yourself as that financial ninja. I love the terminology you're using. Go out with that as your goal and anticipate getting those 10 people lined up before you even give your two weeks notice. I think it's a very doable process. We're not talking about, you know, you have to have 300 customers lined up. You need 10. If you could do 10 where you take care of their books, produce their P&Ls, and they pay you $750 a month to have access to you and your reports, boom, $7,500 a month. That ought to give you a great starting point, and then you can leverage that to move on into other things. Well, hey, just a reminder while I take a breath, this is uh, the 48 Days Online Radio Show. If you got a question you'd like to have us discuss here, unpack it in a way that will help you, hopefully help me, and help those listening as well. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, look for that red starburst. Click on that. You can put your question right in there. You can also leave an audio question if you want, or you can just send it directly to askdan at 48days.com. Let me move on here and get quickly through some more. Brian says, my wife and I want to start an interior painting business on the side to help us meet some financial goals. When I research online, many sources are saying it's required to have a business permit and suggest buying liability insurance. Are these really necessary? If so, how much coverage would be necessary? How much should we expect to pay in premiums? I think I remember you saying you used to paint houses to make ends meet back in the day. So I thought you might know. Also, I'm curious about how to go about marketing our business. We've got an ad on Craigslist. We're going to create some flyers to hand out to local businesses and neighborhoods. But do you recommend any resources that focus how to market a small business? Thanks in advance for your time and thoughts. Well, I already gave a a couple resources here in the radio show today, Brian, where you can learn how to market more effectively. So be sure that you get those. In regard to your questions. Yeah, you heard me talk. Yeah, I did. I, I painted a lot and mostly during times when I was in college or graduate school. 
So I wanted something where I could create significant income, but would be not locked into traditional hours so that it would be flexible where I could devote my primary time to my studies. So yeah, I did a lot of painting. Now in those, I didn't have lots of customers. I wasn't established myself as a business. So no, I didn't have a business permit, anything at all. I didn't have liability insurance, nothing at all. You know, I just connected with people, did that. It was very informal. I didn't have any of that. And I don't think it's a big deal if you're going to do it in that way. If you really want to start this as a business, then sure, get a business license, get a business permit. Not a big deal at all. You can go down to the local clerk's office in your county and a business license is going to cost you probably 10 or $20 a year. That's it. Not a big deal. So you get a business license, then you can go to the bank and open a, a checking account with that name. I mean, that's the thing you want to do. So you separate your business from your personal finances right out of the gate. Keep those separate so you're legitimately in a business. You can have a business name that you use. Now, filing for a business license is going to trigger some other things. Depending on where you live, you're in Lebanon, Ohio. Okay, I don't know the laws there, but it's not going to be that unlike what we have in Tennessee. It'll trigger some other things. We have a little tiny occupational tax that the county is going to require based on your gross revenues. It's small, but depending on what the rules are in Lebanon, Ohio, yeah, it'll trigger some other little things, but that's fine. It just legitimately positions you in business. Liability insurance, yeah, that's fine. I mean, you can go ahead and do that. I mean, if you spill paint on somebody's carpet or ruin their hardwood floor and it has to be replaced, I mean, you're not in a high liability industry at all. But sure, go ahead if that'd make you feel better. Get a liability insurance policy. You can probably get a, a $250,000 policy for maybe 100 bucks a year. So it's not going to be a big thing. So check that out. Get those in place. That'll legitimately put you in business and you're ready to go. Dave says, Dan, I purchased a disc profile in October of 2008. Okay, 2008. We're now in 2000, October 2014. So we're six years later. Showing me as a high DI with an identified style as a concluder. Because our experiences change over the years, which can have a change and effect on our personalities, do you recommend retaking the disc profile? And if so, how often? Thanks for all you do. Well, Dave... Yeah, I, I probably retake it. Of course, we that's one of our major products here, the 48 Days Personality Profile. It's our hottest selling product by far. Outweighs anything, my own books included, because every book that I put out, I, I provide links back to that. So even books that we don't sell here personally, books that are purchased through Amazon or Books A Million or Barnes & Noble, those readers then still come back to our site and get the 48 Days Personality Profile. So I probably take it every couple of years, but it doesn't change. Nothing changes. I mean, when you think about it, you, we can look at a child who's three years old. You can walk in their bedroom and see what kind of personality they have. And you know what? That's not likely to change. I mean, Ashley, my daughter, lives here locally. She has three beautiful little girls. They are seven, four, and two. It is clear as a bell what their disc personalities are. And believe me, I can check them again when they're 40 years old, and I can pretty well guarantee you it's going to be the same. Now, here's how that works. If you're a high DI, meaning you're very assertive, outgoing, bold, daring, opinionated, people person, whatever, I've just thrown some things out there. 
you can change the kind of work that you do, the kind of environments that you're in, but those personal characteristics are not likely to change dramatically. If you're a high D, so you're very bold, you're very direct, you're blunt, do you have a, uh, you have a tendency to hurt people's feelings? You don't listen well because you're too busy thinking about what you're going to say. Can you modify those things? Yeah, absolutely. We, I, I am also a very high D, and I am some of those things I just described. I just had a lady here. She's one of our coaches. She has her PhD. She said, you, she told me, Dan Miller, she says, you're the best listener I have ever encountered. You are so intent and you can listen to somebody. And we were in an environment where she would observe, you know, somebody would talk for five minutes and I would go back to the very thing they said at the beginning. I would draw that out, help them go deeper in that. She said, you don't miss anything in the way that you listen. Now, here's the funny thing about that. Because I'm a high D, my natural tendency is to not hear people be thinking ahead, be thinking, hey, you know, hurry up, get to the point, just get to the bottom line. Don't bore me with all these details. You know, I ask you what time it was. I don't care about how they make a watch. You know, just get to the bottom line. That's my natural tendency. So listening is a learned skill. So you can learn to compensate for your natural tendencies, but it doesn't change your natural personality. And that's fine. Be comfortable with that. You don't have to change. There's no good, bad, right, or wrong about it. But understand what your natural tendency is and how the overuse of that can work against you, can be a negative. So if you have a child who, I, we have three children. One of my children was one who, if I came across real opinionated real quickly, boom, he just would close the door. He would just close off. I had to do things with him for a long period of time. We work, you know, work on polishing his car together for an hour and a half. And then he'd be comfortable and kind of starting to share and open up. I have to understand that. I have to allow that. I have to do that in that environment to relate well to him. That doesn't change my natural tendency. And I don't think you're going to change yours as well. Great question. Well, Doug says, a while back on one of your podcasts, you told the story of a guy who transitioned from working involving horses. It had a name I can't remember to being a software developer. Which podcast was it? Would you be able to share his email address? I'm looking to transition to a similar field. However, I'm an electrical engineer with limited programming experience. I've been taking Udemy classes and would like to pick his brain on how he sold himself to an employer. There's a part of me that wonders if potential employers will lowball someone who's only taking some online courses. Wow. Okay, Doug, there, there's a whole lot in your question that predicts what kind of success you're going to have. If you question the value of just doing this online training and teaching yourself programming, and you're not sure that that's going to be taken seriously by employers, guess what? It won't be. You will be lowballed because your transparent expectation will be exactly the reality you experience. Now, in contrast, let me go back here a little bit. And I went back real quickly and I pulled up Joshua Kemp's email. Now, this has been a couple years ago. I didn't pull the date. I should have done that as well. But I'll give you his email address. But this is what he says. And this is the one you're referring to. Dear Dan, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your books and podcast. I feel like I get to sit down and have coffee with you every Friday. I've been listening for the past two and a half years. I am a farrier. 
That's that word. He works with horses. A farrier is a fancy name for blacksmith, but it implies more than a blacksmith who just has the knowledge about how to put shoes on horses. A farrier implies somebody really understands the physiology, anatomy of horses, almost like a veterinarian. So I'm a farrier and thought I could never get out of this line of work. But thanks to listening to you, I taught myself to be a software developer studying 21 hours every week for the past seven months. I blogged about the entire journey three times a week. I just launched my resume site. And this was, he said, on May 23rd. And this was like a week later to try to get hired. And I've already received two job offers with many other possibilities. Now, he sent a follow-up. He did. He got more opportunities, more job offers as a software developer based on what he did in self-study over a seven-month period. 21 hours a week. I love the intentionality of what he did. 21 hours a week for seven months. Boom. And then put his resume out, had immediate job offers and continued to get those even after he accepted a position. Now, his name was Joshua Kemp. And his email is joshuakemp85 at gmail.com. So, yeah, feel free to contact him. I haven't heard from him in a while. But uh, feel free to contact me. He was the guy that went from being a farrier to being a software developer. But again, you know, don't don't decide in advance how a potential employer is going to view that. What a potential employer is interested in is what can you do to produce results? That's what they're interested in. Where you got that information and knowledge, degrees, certification, whatever, it is not important. Trust me. I mean, talk to these companies like Google and Yahoo and Microsoft and Apple out here who are hiring people. They are so unconcerned about where you got degrees. What they want to know is how can you solve problems? What can you do to bring value to what they're trying to do right now? All right, moving on. Eric says, Dan, I took action on a dream by accepting the request to coach a man in his mid-20s about how to plan for his future. He feels a bit overwhelmed with how to move forward and succeed. I've been blessed and I'm mostly debt-free and crossed the 1 million net worth threshold earlier this year, thanks to Dave Ramsey's teachings that my wife and I have followed for the last seven years. I dream of being a coach, but don't feel I will earn as much as I'm currently earning at a job I enjoy greatly. So to make this transition over the next eight years, I'm building a rental property portfolio so that I can coach and not have to charge very much. I really want to help those who are motivated, but don't have very much money. Thanks for all you do, Eric. Now, Eric, what you're proposing is perfectly fine. I mean, I commend you on doing that. If you want to coach those who don't have any money and do it for free, that's fine. Obviously, you're not intending to build that as a business. You're going to build your real estate business as the financial kingpin for what you're doing so that you can coach those who can't pay you any money. Perfectly fine, but don't think for a nanosecond that you can't create wealth by being a coach. I mean, that's primarily what I do. And trust me, um, <laughs> you know, I was going to say, trust me, I don't live on beans and rice, but you, you've also heard me talk about my favorite food is Mexican. I eat rice and beans almost every day. That's my choice. Believe me. You can be extreme. You can be as successful as you want to be as a coach. If you want to get an overview of that, go to MichaelHyatt.com. Michael and I are friends, and I did an video interview with him 
a couple months ago about how you can make $150,000 as a coach this year. Now, that was kind of a starting point. Believe me, the figures I gave there, I wanted to be very small and reasonable and believable by his listening audience. So that's just the tip of the iceberg. But at least that'll give you a sense of how I take coaching and leverage that, sharing that message that I want to share, leverage that to make significant income. I don't know what you're shooting for, but you can put any figure in you want and do that through coaching. If, in fact, you want to do that. Again, if you want to just build your real estate portfolio, perfectly fine. And then you can coach as a hobby, but not as a serious business. If you want to find that, just go to michaelhyatt.com and just put in a search bar, Dan Miller. It'll pop up. There's other things I've done with him, but you'll find that video. And it's it's titled, you know, how to make $150,000 this year with the coaching or something similar to that. Okay, Rebecca says, I'm looking for new job opportunities to get to a career I'll love. I'll, I'm still working on becoming a published author and love to write. But my current profession is drowning me. I'm a teacher and work 60 to 80 hours a week to just stay on top of everything. Being a perfectionist doesn't help. I want out. I've read your books, 48 Days and No More Dreaded Mondays. Join the 48 Days community to connect with and find out how to live out my passion. I'm not sure I've succeeded fully yet, although I did self-publish a poetry collection on Amazon.com. However, because I'm disgruntled and unhappy at my current job, I did come across a position I would love to try, and that may give me more downtime and a chance to really write. It's an instructor position at a college level, but part-time. It would have to be better than what I'm going through now, and I'm afraid I'm not brave enough to step out and do more yet with my writing career. So I guess my long-winded question is, if I quit mid-year in my teaching job to take a position at the college, should I worry about the black mark I'll have against my name in the teaching community? I don't like being thought of badly, but I do want to break away from a job that is leaving me without time for a life outside of work and just plain miserable. Thanks for all you do. Now, if you're a teacher, I mean, I know that a lot of teachers you know, don't make much. But yesterday I talked with a gentleman. He's in our coaching mastery program, and he is, he is teaching on the side in an online university. He makes $100 an hour doing that. $100 an hour. So we're leveraging that. So that he has multiple universities, online universities, and at this point, any university has online teaching opportunities. Any university. So, of course, if you go to the big ones that are online, like University of Phoenix, you know, they're looking for competent professors. And that you, you can, if you have a clear area of expertise, I mean, you can expect $100 an hour doing that. I also connected him with some of the major training companies like Fred Pryor, Paget Thompson, American Management Association, where they look for competent presenters. This guy has expertise in Six Sigma, you know, some of the quality control things. So he's a candidate to present their programs where they promote, they fill an, a, a hotel room, a conference room with people. He comes in and presents, and typically those people get $1,500, $2,000 a day for doing that. We don't have to put a whole lot of those together to have a pretty significant income. So when you talk about moving out of the classroom where you may be making $35,000, $40,000 a year, golly, just take your affinity for teaching and leverage that into some of the new opportunities that are out there. And rock and roll, you can knock it out of the park. Well, hey, we are out of time. Thanks for being part of listening to what we've got going on here. you got plenty more questions. Keep those questions coming in. And just remember, are you choosing to be poor? We see that as a choice and sometimes think we don't have the choice, but often that's just an illusion. We can choose to see the opportunities that are going to bring us more wealth. 
Keep believing that. Hey, check out our Ultimate Advantage Cruise. We're now in partnership with Success Magazine for that. Hey, thanks for being part of this community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Don't settle for less.